Hello and welcome to Shoot the Breeze, where we take a nostalgic look at a random football magazine from the past. I'm Andy Smith, aka Scott's Footy Cards on Twitter, and with me is Tom Brogan. Hello. In each episode, we'll invite a special guest to join us in trawling through the magazine and discuss anything contained within it. This could be anything from an article, to a photograph, to a competition, to an advert. Basically, if it's in it, then we'll talk about it. So sit back and let's shoot the breeze. Wriggles clear. Might just get the chip and he does, he's scored! Oh, what a great And this week's guest is novelist and short story writer Russ Litton. Thanks for coming on, Russ. Thanks for having me, gentlemen. Pleasure. This week we're looking at an issue of Shoot from the 28th of February 1987. Uh, so on the cover we've got uh, Tony Adams there looking to bring down a high ball. Uh, Tony Adams, My England Magic is the headline. Uh, we've got Terry Butcher on the cover as well, Rangers for Life. Uh, Norman Whiteside, Is He Dirty? Big Star Posters, Mabbit McClear. It's FA Cup and Scottish Cup special. And uh, there's a Hull team group. And uh, we always sort of look at the cover price. So this one's 42p, Britain's best-selling sports magazine. And uh, there's also some... Uh, cover prices there for uh, abroad uh, so 42 pence in Britain, Australia 90 cents New Zealand 1 dollar um, Malaysia by air 2.35, Denmark 11 krone, 11 kroner uh, and I looked that up and now, nowadays that's the equivalent of £1.36 mm. So uh, first question uh, Russ, did you buy shoot or match uh, in, in those days? No, not really um, but by that point I was buying like Music magazine, yes. NME. I mean, I, I stopped going to City in, in, after I left school, really, because I got into music. But, you know, I I didn't bash it, but the, I, I have re- read it from time to time. Mm. I didn't buy it regularly, I mean, but uh, I did read it from time to time. But the, the problem with, with football magazines is footballers are generally boring, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, you know I mean? I mean, in them days especially, I mean, that um, the Barry Venison's question and answer, <laughs> who are your favourite bands? It's like, Dire Straits, Simple Man's, <laughs> and Queen. It's like he's probably just looked at the top ten for that week, hasn't he? Ninety-seven. Who's my favourite band? They'll do them mm. top three there. Yeah, but I, I, I thought I found it fascinating for um, all the boots references. It talks about Gary Lineker and his Quasar boots, yeah. uh, and also someone's Dunlop, uh, Grobbler's Dunlop boots. And it, it, in retrospect, you can see it was the sort of maybe the beginning of all of this sort of commercialisation of football. Yeah. You know, it's interesting you mentioned all those uh, prices on the bottom of the, of the cover there in them different territories. I wonder how much they sold in them different countries of yeah. this magazine. Do you know what I mean? I think when we've spoke about them before, we, we sort of think the Australia, New Zealand, obviously English speaking, but then the other places generally would have British troops or something in them. Maybe not mm. so much the ones that are on display there at the moment, but you know, I th- you got to wonder why Malaysia, by yeah. air it says, would be something that they would there'd be enough of a uh, a market there for them to actually have the price on the front of the magazine. 
So anything else we want to pick up there from the from the cover? Well, I was just going to mention, and you know, as many times as I've looked at this before, it's just sprung out of me at the moment. But it's not very often that we see a background that's been taken away. So yeah. you've got a picture of Tony Adams here, who, by the way, I think from inside it says he's 20 years old at this point. So this is one of these occasions where you look at him and go, oof, that's a bit of a, a hard paper round he had. But, and, <laughs> but the, 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 there's no... The background's been taken away and it's just a yellow colour and a white colour. And that might not seem unusual looking at it just like that, but when we've looked at the number that we have, very seldom does that happen. So it's just a little... Maybe the background was too sort of busy, you know, if it was a crowd shot. Yeah. Trying to make it stark. But I think it's surprising that they've got two defenders on the cover as well. Mm. You know, the main yeah. featured ones. I mean, if, if Tony Adams had a long paper on Terry Butcher on, on the news agents, <laughs> Yeah, he's the one. up and up and all the papers. <laughs> he's the one that sent Tony Adams out, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. He, he's, yeah, I forgot he played for Rangers, you know. I completely really? forgot that Butcher had played for Rangers. Mm. Yeah, so we'll go on to Terry Butch in a few pages' time. So if we go into the magazine then, so pages two and three, we'll get Captain Adams, and there's a picture of him there just wellying the ball upfield, I think. Yeah. Uh, you see Frank McAvenny at West Ham in the background there uh, behind him. It's quite un- unmistakable, Frank McAvenny with those teeth, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Tony <laughs> Adams, I used to um, write a ghostwriter column for Dean Windus, Right for the, for the for the spot and and I asked him who was the hardest defender he played against and he said it it was Tony Adams's but not for the not for any sort of physical aspects of it when you say the hardest it was the hardest to play against right because he knew what I was going to do before I did <laughs> you know he said like the, the first couple of exchanges and after once he got the measure here that was it you would he had you sewn up it was brilliant wasn't it mm. yeah it was a great player yeah, Tony Adams yeah. So th- this is uh, when when uh, Tony's just been called into the England mm. squad. Uh, I won't get carried away with the England call-up, explains Adams, who gains England squad recognition only three and a half years after his Arsenal debut. It seems quicker nowadays mm. once you establish yourself in one of the big teams. Mm. Three and a half yeah. years seems like a long time now to get, in, get a call-up. Well, you've got um, kids, Man City, you've got players who are like 17 or millionaires who you know never played, never even yeah, being in the first team squad, it's, it's yeah, it just shows you that he's sort of done his apprenticeship in the first team in the first division, kind of thing. Um, yeah, I think Tom that also there was a progression back then that isn't there now, and you know the under nineteens, under twenty ones, under twenty threes, and up to the, and they seem to be that most or not maybe not most, but quite a lot of players that was a progression up until the the full squad with that yeah. Scotland as well and that, that just doesn't happen as you say no. they show any sort of signs and they go straight in yeah, I think that was that was a step up if you were in the under 21s that was a kind of clue you were going to get called up for full for a full cap but I, I think in recent years that's no been no really been the case a lot of guys have played plenty for under 21s and then never progressed in the national mm. team uh, yeah it's so like you said Andy he's only 20 the 20 year old England Arsenal centre half carries ambitions to skipper his country having already led England at schools, youth and under-21 levels. Uh, having achieved that, it's only natural to want to leave the England senior team someday. Uh, Adams, who keeps his feet on the ground by kicking a ball around with his mates in a field just off the A13 near, near his home in Essex. 
So uh, there's there's a, another another picture there on on page three is uh, of two of the guys that have helped Adams become a better defender. Uh, it's uh, Kenny Sampson there playing for Arsenal and Mark Wright uh, playing for uh, Southampton there at the time. Mm. Yeah, Viv Anderson he says there didn't he as well? Yeah. He comes down, he says he comes down him like a ton of bricks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it does seem as though he's saying that basically Viv Anderson gives him short short shrift. Really, that's what it sort of sounds like. He, he I think says, uh, the older players used to terrorise the younger ones a lot more. I think mm -hmm. there was, a lot of them were quite frightened even to go in the dressing room, you know yeah. what I mean? From what I can gather, from talking to uh, players of, of Adams' generation. Mm. I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, but uh, it's certainly a different culture, wasn't it, in 1987? Yeah. But he's obviously an ambitious kid, isn't he? Do you know what I mean? He's, uh, mm. He knows he's good. Yeah. I was just going to say that. I, th I think, you know, for a lot of the players, that's how they came through. And that was just how the generations through football were, wasn't mm. it? It was like, they, you know, they would be cleaning players' boots. They would get shouted at, screamed at, all the tough jobs. And so for them, that's how that was probably just how being a professional worked. Mm. Um, Proper it, rites of passage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. We think he said the only time the placid, softly spoken dagger and born Adams loses his temper is when Arsenal suffer defeat. I'm a bad loser. I go mad. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you've seen that wee bit of footage of him with David Ellery when uh, Ellery was mic'd up mm. in the Arsenal v Millwall game. Ah, uh, what's he say? You can find it on YouTube. Uh, yeah. Adams is screaming at him that he's he's a cheat, and eventually <laughs> Ellery tells him tells him to calm down. So you might disagree with me, but I'm not a cheat. And, and Adam said, "I'm sorry, ref. I'm just, I'm just frustrated." But <laughs> it, it was, a, it was for a wee, it was for a documentary, and they'd done it. They'd mic'd up uh, David Ellery, the ref. But apparently, the Millwall team knew, but the Arsenal team didn't. Uh, and how, so the how Millwall. Did that, how did that happen? How did they I know? I don't know. I don't know how they knew, but uh, <laughs> it's all the Arsenal players that are doing all the shouting. But there's a nice wee bit where it's, uh, Adams is really losing the rag with them. Yeah, and, I can imagine. Yeah. Ellery, who's a who's a head headmaster, kind of calms him down in that fashion. But well, that's the, the interesting thing of watching football on the telly now. When when there's no crowds there, you know, you can. Um, I mean, you could do that sometimes at all. Sitting, <laughs> you could. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think it's uh, yeah, Mike took refs. It's a recipe for a lot more um, drama, isn't it? Mm -hmm. and, um, I mean, the, did you see what was that one foot? There's one magazine that nineties used to do. Um, what they call it, mouth reading, you know, uh, oh, yeah, what, right. what the people have said, what players and managers have said, lip reading, sorry, yeah. Yeah, but making them up, it's, it could only lead to disaster, that kind of <laughs> I think we, we've spoke about this before, haven't we, Tom? I mean, I'm a, I'm a big fan of it because I think in that example that we're talking about, and I'm sure there's another one as well, uh, where you can hear the thought processes of the referee and the linesman and the sort of abuse that they get from players. So if that, if that was a, an, a common thing, the players would stop it because they wouldn't want to be caught on... Yeah, you'd be embarrassed. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, 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 some of them got seem to care. I mean, there was, what was uh, West Brom's manager? Um, he was berating the ref, one not he, on Match of the Day the other night? Uh, if that, you want to uh, Slavin Bilic? That's the guy, yeah. Bilic, yeah. He, he grew a beard, hasn't he? I don't recognise him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think a lot of them are, are so comfortable with being on camera and being... I don't I don't know whether it would have that effect that you say it would, to be honest. Mm. I think, I think if anything, people would start playing up a bit more. 
Do you know what I mean? Trying to sort of curry favour with the audience that knew that they, they were listening. Yeah, I, th- I think if I think it would stop the abuse, the serious abuse that referees obviously get. It wouldn't stop players mourning and it wouldn't stop players questioning, but the, just the nature of it. Yeah, but yeah, I, I get yeah. your point that you know there would be players who would be playing to the crowd, you know. But so that that is all part of the ongoing macho culture of football, isn't it? That football's been trying to sort of escape, wriggle free of from you know since like nineteen eighty seven. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's meant to be an outlet, isn't it? Sport, yeah. you know, shouting and screaming and swearing. I don't think there's. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like abusing abusing anyone is wrong mm. for doing the job, but. Uh, I don't know. It's it's an interesting one, really. Yeah. I don't. I think it's by nature an aggressive sport. Do you know what I mean? Hmm. Yeah. I think I'd rather have that than the, I can't believe I'm 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 putting it in this direction. I'd rather have referees mic'd up than VAR. If we had a choice mm-hmm. between referees or VAR, the mic'd up, then I'd definitely go with that. Yeah. Um. I don't like VAR at all. I don't like it at all. It's uh, probably marks me out as someone with a dead old-fashioned view, do you know what I mean? But mm. it's, a, it's a human thing, and it's a human drama, an unfolding human drama. Who was it who said that, um, it was Clough on it, went and said, the reason football will die is because you're putting too many matches on telly. Mm. <laughs> People won't go. Yeah. So that's on YouTube as well. It's a really good interview, that. Mm, maybe there's something in that. Yeah. So it's another wee bit there on uh, Tony Adams. The two biggest influences on Adams' life have been his father, Alex, and Arsenal coach Terry Burton, but he has a healthy respect for Highbury manager George Graham. He's hard but fair. I owe so much to him. He offered me a three-year contract a few weeks ago, and it's very fair. If the boss walks into the room, we all shut up. We wear the Arsenal blazer and flannels to matches, and we're proud to dress like that. The boss (laughs) says we will play smart if we look smart. Right, all right, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's like that old-fashioned factory mill owner mentality, isn't it? <laughs> Ferguson had and Gray, a lot of them had, didn't they, them sort of old-school managers around them that time. Yeah. Like, I mean, bless blazer and flannels. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that he calls them flannels. So flannels, like yeah, like like cricket flannels, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Oh, 1987, yeah, that sort of, uh, sort of, that look would have been in, wouldn't it? That post-new romantic look. <laughs> <laughs> The style council, all that sort of gear. Mm. So, anything else you want to say in Tony Adams before we turn the before we turn the page? I, ju- I just think we we sort of glossed over that little bit about him still playing with his mates in the field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, yeah, that, yeah. That that be. I mean, we keep saying that wouldn't happen nowadays, but that just wouldn't. You're not allowed, are you? There's mm. lots I mean, of places where you can't play. No. Yeah. I mean, you just couldn't afford to get injured now playing with your playing with your pals so and the kind of money that they're yeah. on, you know. Plus, you would get grassed in quite quickly, I think, these these days as well, if they were playing. Yeah. Didn't, didn't Rooney used to do it? Mm. Apparently he used to do it when he was playing for Everton, didn't he? Right. Still going playing the streets with his pals. <laughs> yeah, all, all people in bands should be buskers as well. That's the way to look at it, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Go out and busk. Yeah. Right, we turn over the, turn over the page then to uh, Terry, Terry Butcher. So Terry Butcher wrestles with a problem. Ibrooks for life, and I never want to leave. Who do you chat support then? Uh, well, but Andy and I are both Clay Bank supporters. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Who are mentioned in this? Uh, mentioned in this article. Mm-hmm. All right. So what we're saying about Terry Butcher then, gents? So I. So this is uh, Terry Butcher. Six months of his four-year contract at, at Rangers. So he set he settled in the Ibrooks pretty well, and. Uh, he sort of, he really sort of embraced, really embraced the culture up here. 
uh, which he, he readily admits and says he maybe get too he maybe get too too into it uh, up up here. But it, it was a big. I mean, obviously, it was, he was a big part of the Soonest Revolution. Uh, yeah. so, so Butcher coming up to Scotland was was a real eye, a real eye opener because that was uh, really Soonest's first major signing. Woods and Butcher were his first major signings, and it really made people realise that uh, Soonest was serious uh, about changing things up here. Right. Okay. How old was Butcher then at that point? Then how old was he? He wasn't that. He wasn't that old. Maybe mid. So they're talking about. So his problem is, do I state? Yeah. Well, where would he, what sort of a move would have been available to him at that point? I mean, I mean, he he was England captain at this point, wasn't he? So he missed his chance to go abroad. Was he a bit, you know, this nineteen eighty-seven books? I, I don't think so. As Tom said, I think he was probably about 26, 27. So I, I don't yeah. think he was that, yeah. that old. I think it was just. I mean, the, the English clubs were banned from Europe at this point, and so this was a chance for for the England players to be playing in Europe with, with Rangers. I mean, they could have quite easily went abroad for that, and that wouldn't surprise me if there were, you know, bids for him or there was interest for him. But you know, he was obviously taken in with the whole. Yeah, yeah. Soonest Loved it. Revolution, yeah. yeah. Well, they're a massive club, aren't they? I mean, it must be. Like Roy of the Rovers sort of stuff. It's, mm. a, it's a huge stadium, isn't it? With a yeah, yeah, no, I, I abs- absolutely is, and 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 they fill it uh, with regularity as, as well, you know. So you're regularly playing. Even in those days, it was maybe I think Ibrox was about forty five thousand capacity, uh, yeah. and it, it was it was packed. I mean, as soon as let's see, really did revolutionise the, the the team, but also it really get the fans back as well, because uh, Rangers had, had been. Going through no such a great period, and the fans weren't turning up, but but they really did turn up in numbers uh, at that at that time. Uh, I mean, as soon as the stated intention was to win the European Cup, because obviously he came up here as a, as a manager who'd won three European Cups himself, uh, mm-hmm. and so he was like, "There's no reason why Rangers can't win the European Cup." And the fans bought into it, and a lot of the players that that come in uh, bought into it as well. Yeah, he's, he's somebody I've warmed to more and more over the years. Soonest, right. You know, I mean, I think he's. Uh, I like him when I see him on the TV now. I like the way he carries himself, and I like the things yeah. he does. Mm. I, th- I think at this point it was probably, you know, this and, you know, we can talk about. I think ninety two was it or something ninety one ninety two. This was probably the period that if Rangers were going to win the European Cup, that was going to be it. Run about mm. this sort of you know five year period, and you just look at it now and it's it's a way. I mean, we're talking about the the Champions League, European Cup, the the main one, and it's just it's a way out of reach now, and you don't think it's ever going to be within reach of teams who have you know player in less play in lesser leagues or have less revenue and things like that. So for me, that that time there was a little window there where it, where it was possible. I mean, you're saying that as yeah. soon as came here with yeah, intention, but it was definitely possible. Yeah, yeah, those little periods of sunlight. We, I mean, we had ours at City in 2008, didn't you know? And mm. It was nice because my kid was sort of like my lad, one of my children. It, it was great. And his first away game was like, you know, Wembley. <laughs> That's just, it's not like this all the time. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> he was about nine. Yeah. It was great. It was a fantastic time. Yeah. That's the danger, um, though, isn't it, Russell? That they, that's what they think. Oh, it's going to be like this forever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, you know, I, I, I'm quite sort of getting back into going to well okay you can't go to football now but now yeah. we're in one it's reignited my interest strangely enough mm. you know what I mean? yeah 
Well, it's, it's like uh, I've, I've said to say Tom quite a few times. I mean, I I sort of fell out. I love I, I love football, but I fell out. I love watching it and going to it and things like that. And then, I mean, I, I live I live um, in Bartley, West Yorkshire. So I, you know, I, I I travel up to Glasgow, and I, the last few years I've started going up again, and going to the games yeah. with Tom, things like that, to the Clyde Bank games, and the Clyde Bank are wearing the junior league there, which is like so the non-league down here, and yeah. and it's just reignited my love for going to the game again because it's, it, you know, there's a big social aspect. To it. It's it it feels it's like simple, it. Isn't it. It doesn't alienate you. Yeah. You know, that's what you want from something like you know a weekly football match. I think you don't want to be alienated or commodified. You want to sort of like have a, as you say, a community experience. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's you saying commodified there. I mean, you can go to a stadium with forty thousand, sixty thousand, and you're just a little dot in amongst the everybody. You know, whereas when you go to the, you know, you, you see lots of people you recognise. They say hello back. You know, mm. and it is just like a getting together with mates. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, you know, big it's like big rock concerts, isn't it? You end you end up watching the video screen after yeah. time some of these big <laughs> events. You know, you you're not really getting the, the the tactile experience, if you will. Yeah. But I mean the thing with I mean what it was with me with our my son's season ticket went from um I think it was something like sixty quid a season to four hundred quid. <sighs> In one illogical leap, do you, do you know what I mean? So yeah, it's yeah. like, well, that that's that finished. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the sort of you know the money aspects, but uh, that that I, I must say with with the Allens at Old City, I've never seen people suck the joy so quickly out of a club, mm. so viciously. You know, it's it's crazy. But there you go. This happens in football as well. Yeah. Didn't happen to Terry Butcher. God bless him. Yeah. So we're just looking at a wee, just a wee snippet from uh, Terry's uh, interview there. Uh, three days after captaining his country to a vital European Championship victory over Yugoslavia at Wembley, the big defender led Rangers out to face the part-timers of Clyde Bank at 10,000 capacity Club Away Park. That's a perfect example of what I'm trying to say. No disrespect to Clyde Bank, but there's a world of difference between Wembley and their place. It's difficult to get psyched up for these games, but it's got to be done or you risk being turned over. And... Uh, no disrespect to Terry Butcher, but when he did have a spell <laughs> playing for Claybank, he was one of the worst players we've ever signed. Yeah. Uh, he actually came out of retirement to play three games for Claybank, and he was meant to play four, and he held his hands up and said, nah, I'm past this. Uh, <laughs> he's sitting on the bench for this last game. God, was he, yeah. yeah. Never mind, he had a good goal, didn't he? I always remember, was that match where he had all bandaged head, all blood? Yeah, blood. yeah, that's against what, Sweden. Against Sweden? England v Sweden, yeah. Yeah, that was the famous iconic photo of him, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Ram, basically, wasn't he? Great fella, I think. Yeah, no, he gave his gave his all, uh, gave his all every time every time he played. Um, I know he was a great player for Ipswich and Rangers. I wonder what the Terry Butcher of this day would have said after you know after that quote, if somebody had said to him, "One day you'll be playing for Clydebank." <laughs> I wonder what his reaction to that might have been. You might be right. <laughs> <laughs> Fingers crossed. You know, yeah, where's Cloud Bank? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, and the, the other wee bit on those pages is a wee, there's a wee advert for the Everton fan club, uh, ten pounds yeah, annual membership. How come they got to have their? Did they like ticket intense to advertise the fan club? Do you reckon during every? Yeah, no, that's just what I'm thinking. Yeah. Why do they have theirs on? Do they pay the most? Yeah. 
Well, I think it's basically who who pays for them. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of some of the other ones we've seen. I've seen Chelsea. Uh, There's a Man United one later in the yeah. Thing, isn't there? yeah. Um, there must surely there, there would be accusations of bias from the FA, wouldn't they? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Football League at the time, they, they said you can't. And I don't know. That's well. I mean, I guess that's the you know if it's actually affiliated with the club at this point, maybe it's. It's not, and you know, it's a bit separate from what it. The Everton fan club. It's not the Everton official supporters club. Mm. Yeah. But I, th- I think also at this point, this this is when the likes of the club calls were all starting to to appear. And there's a little access insignia at the yeah. bottom of that advert. You can pay with access. <laughs> yeah. In 1987, wow, God, it's the hotline to the dressing room. It says you must. So you got all, all free gear there. Wow, you get a diploma. Signed by Howard Kendall. <laughs> a <laughs> diploma saying what? what yeah. I have joined the fun club. Souvenir bronze medallion. No, obviously not a real one. You have to pay more than one pound a quarter for that. Yeah. Well, joining the Everton fan club, isn't it? <laughs> I, I did, um, there was some advert that I posted the other day on Twitter and it was like, so you could write away for a brochure or something like that. And somebody, somebody replied and said, "Oh, I'm going, to, I'm going to put a stamp on it and write away." And that, it made me think, you know, it should have been a legal requirement for any company that advertises things in the past that they have to maintain for as long as these things exist. They have to maintain this so that if somebody in the future does, so you know, thirty yeah. years later they find this magazine and they send it away, then it still has to be fulfilled. Or there's a big fine. It's just a wee crazy thought, but you know, it would be. <laughs> we go over the page then. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, over the page, so on the left hand side, we've got a Sturrock struggles, uh, and it's um, Paul Sturrock. There's a picture of Paul Sturrock playing for Scotland against Denmark in the 1986 World Cup. And we talk about these strips a lot uh, under that great uh, Danish shirt mm-hmm. uh, and the Scotland strip '86 with those shorts with a band across it. Not a fan. I like that Scotland strip, and I like I like that colour. Uh, it's like a real dark navy, purpley blue, isn't it? It's a real. Mm, yeah, no, it was a good. It was a good shot. Good, and I like all. Yeah, the little sort of band. It's like a cycling. Pierre Cardin cycling tops were <laughs> were in fashion roundabout then, I think, and it's got the look of that. Well, that Denmark one, that is great. That looks like a pack of cards, doesn't it? <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of the top of Scotland, but not the shorts. I know they're iconic, uh, but just not for yeah. me. Not for me. You like it plain. You like two blocks of plain colour. No, I, I, I just I, I don't like I don't like stripes other than down the sides on shorts. I don't like stripes on them. Whether it's hoop stripes or whether I've I've seen the Brighton used to have. A... Have you got an aversion to hoops because of Celtic? Is that what it is? <laughs> no, no, I, I quite, I quite, I quite like. To be honest, the Celtic strips, um, you know, it is no world over, and it's it's quite a, a a good design. So I don't have a problem with that. It's just on shorts, as I say. Yeah, I've I've seen a, a Brighton strip where you know Brighton are blue and white stripes. And they had blue and white stripes on the shorts as well, and it was—it just looked like a Tesco bag. Yeah, yeah know, I don't was... know what you mean. That's what, one thing city strips have suffered from over the years is like incorrect use of stripe. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? In city's case, it's got to be vertical and not sort of like made to look like an animal track or a tire track or a, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean, or a yeah. barcode or something mad. It's <laughs> like just 
yeah, you, it's clean, simple design lines you want, don't you? Mm. I don't mind them. Mind you, I've got no emotional stake in that cabin. <laughs> but I quite, I quite like the sort of hoop around the front. Mm. It's somewhere to aim for in a tackle, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> So if we move on to the right-hand side, we've got letters to the editor. I just want so, to, uh, sorry, can, can we just sorry. go back to the Paul Sturrock article? Because there's something, and I guess it's for, for Rust, because um, he, he talked about a staved toe. Is that is that a Scottish expression, or would oh, you know a staved toe? Basically, it's a stubbed toe, like when you stub your yeah, toe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is staved a word that you would know? No, it's not, not in that context. No, staved. It's where the word... What did that when you first said it? Staved. Is it like split? No, it's just stubbed. It's just another word for stubbed. Oh. You got a staved toe or a staved thumb or something like that. And it's yeah, just. I've it was just seeing it written down here. I thought, I don't know that. That's not just a Scottish saying. You know, it probably like, is, isn't it? Yeah. You know, the, the guy who's written it has just reproduced it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or maybe the guy who wrote it was Scottish and knew exactly what it meant. You know. <laughs> mm. Okay. Thanks, All right, so on the right hand side there, so it's the, it's, uh, the editor, so it's the shoot view, it's not letters to the editor, but the editor, shoot view, so uh, Russia, you brought this up earlier on, so Golden Gary shoots star columnist Gary Lineker is on his way to becoming a millionaire for yeah. wearing a new pair of football boots. Yeah, Quasar boots, yeah. Uh, didn't Brian Robson was supposed to wear New Balance and yeah. never wore them? And then he got spotted, didn't he, at a match wearing Adidas and he had to give all the money back. <laughs> I've heard that, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, Quasar, the other one's about Dunlop boots somewhere else. And uh, yeah, Quasar, but they never took off, did they? No, they didn't. I mean, I was even trying to find them online and I struggled to find a good picture of them. There's a somebody on eBay is selling a signed pair of Gary Lineker's Quasar boots. But other than that, I couldn't actually find anything was about it. Was it like a diamond thing? Was it like an Umbro type thing? I'm trying to I picture the logo of Quasar. Was it a Q? That would be the obvious thing, wasn't it? Was it like a... I think it was a wee round insignia. Yeah, it was like a football, wasn't it? Like a yin-yang sort of thing. Yeah, Zen boots. <laughs> That's why they never took off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you would have thought, because obviously you know, Lineker was a big name at the time, you would have thought that uh, that, would have, that would have certainly gave them a good a good start. Um, but yeah, so he's teamed up with Quasar chairman Everett Plater, the man who helped make Kevin Keegan a millionaire by launching Patrick Boots. All right, well, there Gary you go. says the boot is all British, which has got to be good for the sports industry at home. So, the, the Quasar, I've got quite a few. You should, you should give me a shout, Tom, because I've got quite a few from the magazines. The Quasar sign, it's almost it's like a, a broken circle. So, if you take a circle and then if it's like so if you put a slice through it. And yeah, it sort of falls yeah. off a bit, so like, so uh, it's a TV. cue. It's like a cue. Yeah, yeah. Anglia Tilly, bit like that. Yeah, I can mm. see it. Yeah, they didn't take off. Yeah, and uh, again, uh, like you were saying, Russ, um, latest winners of Bruce's Dunlop boots, <laughs> um, and there's the three winners of uh, I Dunlop boots. God, you wouldn't be seen dead in Dunlop. <laughs> you would do it all. Remember Dunlop Green Flash? They were they were actually big round about them, weren't they? Dunlop yeah, Green yeah. Flares. Yeah. yeah. That was about 87, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah I think I, I, had, I, used, I used to have a pair of Stanley Munichs. <laughs> the way, football boots in the way. Yeah. I always, always um, related Dunlop to tennis more than anything else. Obviously, mm. you know, because it was tennis rackets, wasn't there? And tennis mm. shoes and things like yeah. that. Not Not football. 
Uh, Soonest wore Dunlop boots. Soonest could wear what he wanted. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Wore yeah. <laughs> a pair of clogs. <laughs> so, a- anything else we've seen on these on this this page? We got a cartoon boot boy. Yeah, keeping the theme. Yeah, <laughs> hilarious cartoon mishaps. Oh, yeah. Russ, if it, my 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 pet thing with these magazines is the quality of the the cartoons. I'm, I'm very cynical when it comes to them, so I'm, I'm glad <laughs> that you've picked it out in that sort of tone. So, yeah. <laughs> well, you can get a pen pal there, look. Oh, N- Nottingley as well. So, Nottingley, my friends from there. Yeah, my friends. Oh yeah, hi, sorry, she's from Nottingley. <laughs> so you could get that. Might, is that? Yeah, no, it's Julie Will Willicks, forty Willicks, isn't Nottingley, West Yorkshire. She's an Everton fan. She wants to hear from readers. How old will she be now? She'll be late forties, won't she? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder if uh, I might write to her. <laughs> <laughs> actually, actually, in in a an older magazine, I was looking through one of the pen pals, and I was like, I recognise that. And the person only lives about three minutes away from my house now. It's like, it's like, no, I, I can't, I can't turn up on the doorstep, can I? That's just. She just wrote letters from across the street. But my, my, friend, my friend had a pen pal. And she got bored of writing to her, so I got her mother to write to her, telling her she died. So, <laughs> when she was about eleven. Yeah. So we get over the page again. Yep. To Brian Robson, Brian Robson, United for Europe. So the uh, first thing you know there is that photograph on that page. So there he's wearing his New Balance yeah. boots there. Yeah. But they made sure that went in, didn't they? <laughs> so uh, I picture Man United in their uh, white kit, uh, white shirt, black shorts, white socks, playing against Nottingham Forest. So in Man United, you've got Brian Robson at the front and behind him we've got Frank Staple on the Norman White side. And in Forest, you've got Neil Webb and Gary Burtles. Um and both uh, Webb and Burtles, of course, did spells playing for Manchester United. Man United wearing the classic Sharp sponsored shirt, and Forrest wearing, I think, the less remembered Home Ales sponsored <laughs> kit. You don't think, I mean, you think of Forrest sponsors, I think Wrangler or Panasonic. Yeah. I don't That's think of Home yeah. or Skull, maybe. Oh, yeah, Skull, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. I know it's so much Home Ales. So at this time, Alex Ferguson is planning a clear-out. Brian Robson saying it would not surprise me if Manchester United's manager Alex Ferguson launches the biggest clear-out of players seen at Old Trafford for a long time. He wants us to win so much and simply can't understand why such a potentially strong squad of players is not putting the results together. So, yeah, I interested. He did as well, didn't he have a big clear-out? Yeah. Mm. As I remember, was it then or was it before that 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 happened? When did he just become manager there, aren't he? Was he, was he Yeah, in November in 1986. Yeah. yeah. Got rid of them all apart from uh, McGrath, didn't he? And couple of, the drinkers mainly, wasn't he? Yeah, well, I think he, he held on to Robson, but uh, yeah. he shot a, well, Norman Whiteside and Paul McGrath eventually moved eventually moved on, but Robson stayed. But yeah, that, that was a big drinking culture. There was a, there's a, a programme, I think it's a BCI player, actually, Northern Irish program the sport and life there's an interview with Norman Whiteside where he, where he talks about that um, that eventually Ferguson just moved them on identified the drinkers and moved a couple of them on yeah broke up the party yeah but Robson was the only one who could actually do it wasn't he he could <laughs> drink apparently he had that sort of constitution but didn't they used to give him like Guinness and raw eggs when he was first <laughs> at the boarding house because he was that little 
was like a real little slip of a lad, wasn't he? And they used to build him up with sherry and, and raw eggs and Guinness. So maybe that's uh, maybe that's yeah. how it started. Yeah. I, th- I think I think maybe later in the magazine, I'm I'm sure there's there's an article that mentions four or five of the players that he's let go. Right. Um, so I think we'll maybe get to that. So uh, he says nobody's safe in our lineup, and that includes me. We're all terribly disappointed as we have blown out of all competitions. Rarely has the Manchester United team ducked out of the trophies so early. The boss is not at all happy and who can blame him? But I don't agree with Peter Barnes' outburst against Manchester United on his arrival at Main Road. He made Alex Ferguson sound like some barrack room lawyer who shoots and balls at players for the sake of it. I would agree that Alex has a goal more than any manager I have known in the game. No matter how big the name is, he will speak his mind if he wants to make a point. Uh, and he says, the difference between what I think and what Peter Barnes is putting about is that, in my opinion, Alex Ferguson does not shout for the sake of it. So, yeah, you know, definitely a, a, a manager, I, I think, that um, developed that phrase of uh, throwing teacups about in the dressing room at half at half time. Mm. Well, I'll tell you, what, the only time I've ever been in the same room as Alex Ferguson was at this dinner for sports writers I went to once. And it was the year that City uh, went up and... Every manager there was a manager that had won something. Pulis was there, Moyes was there, Ferguson was there, and the, the, there was this guy from a real from a non-league club. I, I can't remember the name of the club. Someone like Northwich Victoria or someone like that. And they also had the turn that speaking in the course. Alex Ferguson speaks at the end, and he said there. Uh, and this kid had got up, this coach, and he, he made this speech about God. I, I never thought that my team. Be in the same room as these people, do you know what I mean? These giants of the game and Ferguson group at the end of went right. I just almost, you know, blah blah blah. I told the story about the European Cup, I think it was the year they'd, they'd won it. And and then he says, uh, Roy, he was called Roy, this guy says, Roy, he says, uh, what we'll do, he says, I, I listened to what you said, it really touched me. He said, um, we'll come and play, yeah, I'll play Ronaldo, Rooney, all of them, we'll come to your ground and play you in the pre season friendly, keep all the money. Do you know what I mean? He was, he was, I thought, wow, whatever. He's like, or every you know, he, that night he went up in my estimation. Mm. That guy, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think he's well known for doing that for um, taking strong teams up to testimonials when clubs asked him to mm. take a Man United team up. He would go his way to make make sure it was a good team that he took. At the point of saying it, you know, it was it was great. It was really good. But yeah, I mean, he, he'd sort of that's how he ruled that club, wasn't it? He'd sort of uh, it was a bit his way or the highway, wasn't it? With yeah. it worked, didn't it? Yeah, yeah it's, it certainly it certainly seemed to, yeah. Yeah, but I, we, we, no uneasy start. We spoke about this uh, before, but not an easy start for him, which I don't think you would get now. You see the way Manchester United have went through managers since they left. Yeah, madness. And how much they've all spent. Yeah, but it's yeah, spent. he was the last one that was allowed to have a few years of no success to actually Yeah, build. yeah, yeah. Again, I'll use my band analogy. It's like bands they used to get signed up and like not make any money till the third record. Yeah. And now that you know if the first song isn't <laughs> on viral, you you dropped. It's good, isn't it? It's uh, good to have that period of growth and planning and yeah. And prep. It, was, it really it certainly does pay long. You know, long term thinking pays off, doesn't it? Yeah. So and uh, the page opposite, it's the start of a five page FA Cup special, and uh, the headlines: O Allen. Yeah. Uh, it's previewing Arsenal versus Barnsley, and it's yeah. uh, Alan Clark, uh, the former Leeds United legend, uh, yeah. who's Barnsley boss here. Barnsley, yeah, they had, they, was they struggling? I can't remember what, but it was in Division 2, wasn't they? So yeah. It was always round about the bottom, I seem to remember. 
Yeah, didn't Liverpool play at some point around then as well? Played, went away to Barnsley. I think um, they went to that. I remember being involved in a couple of really big sort of cup, FA Cup games around about the late, the late 80s. Arsenal frightened me to death. What was the odds on them? The odds were about 500 to 1, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 400 to 1. I reckon odds at 1,000 to 1 would be more realistic. There's a photograph there of him scoring in the FA Cup final in 1972 for Leeds against Arsenal. And you can see from that picture, Leeds are wearing the uh, sock tags. You can yeah. see number eight sock tag. Mm. <laughs> wow. You notice a lot of detail in these photos, don't you? You notice Brian Robson's boots. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't have noticed that at all, man. Forensic. Did they win that? Was it the Arsenal beat him? I can't remember. Did they? Was it a... No, I think I think that's what they're talking about. The Leeds uh, Leeds won that final, I think, win nothing. Oh, the Arsenal and Barnsley match. Oh, sorry, yeah, yeah, I should, I should have looked that up. I can look it up. I, I looked up one of the results of the fifth round draw, Russ. I looked up yeah, the, yeah. the Wigan Hull. Yeah, we lost, didn't we? Yeah, unfortunately, 3 0 it was. 3 0. Yeah. So, yeah. Nope. yeah. <laughs> so that was, yeah, 21st of February, 87, that was in. Yeah. Wasn't to be that year. Never mind. Yeah, that was, I mean, obviously, I have been to the FA Cup final of the city, and that was just. Yeah. How 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 was that day since you, since you brought it up? I think you were put two nothing up in eight minutes. Ah, oh, it was just absolutely surreal. <laughs> you know, like there was people so they're going, "What's happening?" And afterwards, afterwards, you got that. You did get that icy dread of. Like you've pulled like on the tail of a dragon, do you know what I mean? Or you've like, <laughs> spilt some psychopathic giant pant over in a tub, do you know what I mean? You think, oh, here we go. But just, I mean, it was astonishing. I mean, that Aluko, that if that ball, I was right just above that ball, and it was, God, inches away, you know, from forcing um, extra, extra uh, penalties. Yeah, it was unbelievable. The funny thing about that match, I went, I went back on the tube with my son. All the City fans were going mad and all the Arsenal fans looked like they'd lost. <laughs> they looked really forlorn on the tubes, you know. Like, even to the point where I said to them, what is wrong with you? You've just won the FA Cup. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's the, why are, I'm happy, why aren't you? <laughs> um, it, was, it was really strange. It was great. It was a great, great day. Never forget it. Did you feel you'd maybe just gone ahead too early? Was it a sense of... About to come back. Yeah, I mean, there was a point where um, Alex Bruce had it. I think was it Gibbs edited it off the line from Alex Bruce, and I think if we, if that had gone in, I don't think they'd have been. I think they'd have thrown their hand in. Yeah, I, I do. Do you know what I mean? Uh, McGregor was at fault for that free kick. He could argue, but you know, I mean, I come out of it really happy. Mm. <laughs> I thought it was great. I had a great day. Mm. Yeah. Well, you're saying you're saying there about the Arsenal fans look at looked as though they, you know, lost, and I guess it's it's to a degree it's that entitlement of larger clubs, isn't it? That without know, a doubt, without a doubt, you know, they, they want to win. I mean, God, it wasn't that enough for them, man. You know, it was not all of them, you know, but a fair portion of them. I think you can become sort of like too accustomed to that level of, of success, yeah, really. Yeah. You know, it's like spoil, isn't it? You know, it's just, mm. where's the fun in it? Yeah. I like when when Old City were in the Premier League. I used to, you know, I love it. I used to love the days out and all that. But the thing is, I'd rather be striving for something than worried about losing something. You know, and I always enjoyed the Championship seasons a lot better because yeah. you're trying to get somewhere. Yeah. You're not terrified someone's going to take something off you. <laughs> you know, and 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 that was my sort of mentality to it at that point in my life, really. 
Yeah. Well, I mean that is the case though, because if you're in the a division below and you're you're pushing for promotion, that you're winning games. And let's face it, doesn't matter which league you're in. Football's all about winning. Yeah, striving. Yeah. yeah. And you know, if if you're down at the bottom and you're losing games and losing games, you're not really saying, well, at least we're in the Premiership, but we're yeah. losing every week. You know, that, yeah. that's that's not the, the mentality. Like going to the dentist every week. And then put everyone around you, everyone around you goes, right, see you next week. <laughs> I was going to admit, if there was a nightclub you went to where it was like you had a real horrible time every week and they kept charging you more and more to get in, and it harder and harder to get a drink, you wouldn't go, would you? You just be there. No, if, if, if we're doing the football analogy, you probably would every single week, you would go thinking, it's not going to be as bad this week. And then, it's not the madness, isn't it? It's yeah. a form of addiction. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, just look that up there, uh, Russ. Yeah, so uh, Arsenal beat Barnsley two nothing. Uh, Martin Hayes with a penalty in forty eight minutes, and Charlie Nicholas in seventy eight. Charlie Nicholas. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, he was. Uh, well, I think we'll come to that elsewhere. I think he features elsewhere in this episode, doesn't he, Charlie Nicholas? Yeah. So if we turn over the page, then we've got again FA Cup fifth round, Spurs v Newcastle, and there's a picture there of Clive Allen, and what, what for my money is a terrific Tottenham strip. That uh, Hummel shirt mm-hmm. uh, with the diagonal stripes in the top, the top path. Uh, I think that's a great, a great Spurs kit. Yeah, I like mm. that one. I like that. And uh, former Newcastle hero Chris Waddle warns his old club Allen beats Keegan. Clive is deadly. Uh, there's a picture there of Kevin Keegan playing against I think Tommy Keaton, the Man City. Yeah, that's the best Newcastle shirt, that isn't it, with the with the star on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that was a good one. They look like some sort of mad Soviet block side, don't they, from the 1950s? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so um, Spurs uh, beat Newcastle, uh, won nothing, and Clive Allen was a goal scorer with a penalty kick on 20 minutes. He was brilliant, wasn't he, Clive Allen? He, I was, yeah. Was he was just, he just knew, you know, that's all he was interested in, wasn't it, the goal? Was yeah, he was a great, a great goal scorer, certainly for Tottenham. And on the opposite page there, we've got uh, Glenn Rodier there. Uh, he knows just what makes Alan tick. I think the two of them had played at QPR together. Yeah. Is that yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and he is in the Ian Rush clash. He is in the Ian Russ. He is in the Ian Rush class. <laughs> the Ian Russ clash. <laughs> the clash tribute band. <laughs> <laughs> the Ian Russ clash, yeah. Do you reckon? It's a hybrid. <laughs> Do you reckon he was? Would you say he was, Clive Allen? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, certainly around about that time, he was he, he scored he did score a lot of goals. Yeah, that's a good a good a good point. Um, I don't know if the longevity of, uh, of 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 Rush. Certainly, I mean, like Rush. I guess one more uh, over that over that time. Uh, and there's a wee picture there of Peter Beardsley and uh, Mitchell Thomas uh, there as well. I think Peter Beardsley sending Mitchell Thomas flying. But I like it in that picture. Yeah, man. Yeah. The Glen the Glen Roder in the Newcastle strip there, obviously that that's the one. I think we looked at that badge pretty recently. It's the 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 letters NUFC and it's sort of in the style of the yeah. LU the Leeds United from the seventies. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Where it's a sort of balloon sort of thing. Yeah. And obviously, um, Glen Roder's shirt's got a different sponsor on it. Is it Greenalls is a sponsor, mm-hmm. I suppose. So it's something that happened in those days that doesn't happen now that, that you would change your sponsor but no change your shirt. What nowadays absolutely you get a new sponsor, you get a new shirt as well. It's all but, part of the commodification of it, isn't it? You get yeah. like 
How many, how many districts is it have they got now? They've got like first, third, and all, what is it? An alternative. Yeah. I thought that's what the change strip was. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, it's just a way of extracting more and more cash. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Some of the jets are really beautiful design, you know. And I think it just it all went a bit. You captured it in this issue of, you know, uh, before it all went a bit weird in the early nineties, didn't it? When it was all TV squiggles and that yeah. Shrewsbury kit that looked like a distorted telly, you know. <laughs> But um, I think you know these clean, like nice, clean, classic designs are, are are just bang on. Yeah, yeah for me, the eighties is the best period of football strips. Yeah, because mm. mm. yeah, it was just these designs coming in, pinstripes and the shadow stripes and all that kind of kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, for me, the eighties is the best time for football kits. Anything else to say then about um, Clive Allen and Glenn Rodier before we move on? Glenn Roder was one of them footballers that looked more at home like he'd been a chemist or something like that. <laughs> yeah. It was, there's a certain sort of like <laughs> football, he was like badgers. Southgate as well. You wouldn't have thought he was a footballer. You thought he was a teaching assistant or something, wouldn't you? <laughs> Terry Butcher couldn't have done anything other than be a footballer. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it doesn't look very athletic, does it? It, looks... it doesn't. It just, he looks, I don't know, like he, he's been picked last, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, so we're turning over the, the page then for more more FA Cup. Uh, so it's Dave Besson, the Wimbledon goalkeeper, and the headline is Thugs, Yes We Are. Uh, this is previewing the Wimbledon v Everton game. Uh, there's a great picture there of Vinnie Jones and a, an unnamed opponent there jousting in mid-air for the ball. That's a brilliant photo, that, isn't it? They look like they're someone from the Matrix, don't they? <laughs> I noticed in the article it refers to him as Vince Jones. Mm. <laughs> But yeah, so it's a preview in the Wimbledon v Everton uh, game, which was a live game on the Sunday, Sunday 22nd of February 1987. And uh, yeah, Dave Besson believes viewers who tune in to BBC One this Sunday afternoon are in for a pleasant surprise. The Don Skipper knows only too well that TV will try to contrast the style of his own team and their fifth round FA Cup opponents at Everton. It's not something that worries the extrovert 27-year-old who jokes, Wimbledon have been labelled a team of thugs and long ball merchants, and I suppose we are. Uh, this match is being billed as brawn against brain, he says. But a lot of people who expect to see kick and rush stuff will be surprised by how much football we play. Yeah, but they did, to be fair to them, didn't they? Yeah. They could do it, couldn't they? They could play football. That's yeah. It. I mean, it's, it's one of these, um, they, they played to their strengths, and boy, did they. Um, that's exactly what they did. And... Have, you ever, have you ever read a book called um, These Feet? No. No. It's astonishing. It's the. It's not only one of the best book I've ever read about football. It's the best one of the best books I've ever read about um, the English psyche, and it talks about this sort of emphasis on physical exertion that emerged around in the times of like public schools in the nineteenth century. You know, where boys on the football pitch were all as small as they were, were put on a full size pitch and sort of wear themselves out, lump it up to the big lad up front. You know. And that became ingrained in the English psyche, this idea that the idea of the luxury player, it's a very English thing. And it was mm -hmm. like, and this guy notes, it's David Winner in this book, he notes that okay. any player with any flair had to go abroad. You know, like Hoddle, Waddle. Gascoigne. Waddle. Waddle, you know, they, they all had to go, anyone with any amount of flair had to flee the country because we, we, we insisted upon this um, physical exertion aspect of, of the game yeah, you see yeah. Rodriguez's stats his sprints you no know, it's like passes touches this that the other assists goals sprints nil 
<laughs> yeah. And yeah. Uh, Wimbledon were the other side of that coin, weren't they? Do you know I mean? Yeah. No, it's a good point because obviously the era before the Hoddle, you had guys like Tony Curry and Frank Worthington and Stan mm-hmm. Bowles who, who got a, like, a handful of 15 England caps between them or something like that. And they were like Rodney Marsh, some of the most talented players around. But yeah, you're right. England well, couldn't you find know, a place for them. Footballers don't understand It's like, well, surely you pick your best players. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole idea of this book, These Feet, is like, why haven't England won a World Cup since 1966 when they constantly go on about how they invented the game? You know, mm-hmm. what is it in the England? And it's really interesting. One of the points it makes is that English football only never lives in the present, it only lives in the past or the future. They're either harking back to this mythical golden age or the building for this super team that's good going to dominate some competition in eight years time they never ever just be in the moment with their with their team selection and and mm. the result of that you know combined with this sort of thugs yes we are jesus christ man what a thing to put like yeah it's an english thing isn't it to be proud of that it's no surprise you see it written in the magazine in 1987 I just got, I got, a, when you're talking about um, the skillful players having to flee the country, I just got this visual of um, pitchforks and torches, you know, chasing <laughs> them down Dover Way and say, get out of here. Yeah, yeah, with like your that. fancy turns. And... <laughs> 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 <Yeah>. <laughs> so that game finished Wimbledon 3, Everton 1. Uh, Everton took the lead through Paul Wilkinson in the fourth minute and then uh, Wimbledon Glenn Hodges just before half time and then John Fashionu and Andy Sayer scored the goals to put Everton uh, Wimbledon into the next round mm. uh, and down at the bottom there we've got Peter Reid uh, who's seen Sinkum Sharpie Graham Sharp yeah yeah who was Everton. a great striker for Everton didn't quite do it in a Scotland shirt but uh, it was a great a great partnership with Andy Gray why didn't he do it in the Scotland shirt, don't you think? I don't I don't know, to be honest. Yeah. I, I, a lot of guys, like, like Brian McClear, maybe wasn't as like, wasn't as um, prolific playing for Scotland as he was playing for Celtic and Manchester United, you know? I mean, certainly everybody will say Kenny Dalglish never done it for Scotland mm-hmm. and he's an all-time record goal scorer, you know? Yeah. But uh, yeah, for some reason, it never really sort of came off for Graham Sharp playing for, playing for Scotland. He found the system that suited him maybe at, at Everton, didn't he? At Everton, yeah, but he was a great, a great striker, great striker for Everton, great servant for Everton as well. As well, yeah, he was, yeah, yeah. They love him, don't they, over there? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sinkum Sharpie with uh, Peter Reid. Uh, anything that you see, Andy, there on the Peter Reid and Graham Sharp? It sounds familiar. The Peter Reid thing. Was it a? A podcast we looked at where Peter Reid was maybe had moved to QPR, and he was mm-hmm. he was talking about a Q, uh, Everton Wimbledon FA Cup game. This all sounds very, um, <laughs> you know, déjà vu. But I'm sure it must have been a few years later that he went to QPR and he was saying that Everton can't play Wimbledon at their own game. They can't make it a physical battle. They've got to play football, and it just. This this whole these whole two pages just sort of were like, I've read this somewhere before, but I think it was because here Peter Reid's still with Everton, isn't he? I'm sure he's still with Everton in this. Um, yeah. So so it must have been a year or two later. Mm. Actually, Graham Sharp didn't play in that game, so it was <laughs> uh, it was uh, Adrian Heath and Paul Wilkinson were the the forwards mm-hmm. uh, that day. Yeah, I've got all about him. These names popping through. Yeah. 
He went, did he go to Chelsea? Or was he from Chelsea? Did he go to Chelsea? Adrian Heath. No, I'm thinking of Kerry Dixon. He looked a bit like him, didn't he? Yeah. Blonde bombshell. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so we turn the turn the page. So we've got the results page uh, for the Today League on the left-hand side. Any results we want to pick out from... Well, the city's a bit we lost, Portsmouth. You did, that's why I didn't think to note on it. <laughs> yeah, I, think, I think it's a one nothing defeat, isn't it? Goal by Mick Quinn. Mickey Quinn scored for Portsmouth that day. Portsmouth. Yeah. His book's good, he read that. That's a good book, Mickey Quinn's book. Yeah, it's not bad, yeah. I think it's just got the weight all the pairs. Is it? He's, oh, right, he's, okay. into, he's into horse racing. Yeah, yeah he's massive. Yeah, big, big but I'm just looking at some of the teams in Division 1, Luton. See, I, I, I made a wee point about that because... There's two teams in that first division that you wouldn't necessarily associate. Oxford being one of them. Yeah. And Luton Town. Although Luton Town had spent, you know, maybe a few... They 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 punched well above their weight and spent a few years um, in the top division. Obviously, I think they, they fell out the league altogether, as did Oxford. Um, and, yeah. and they, they've came back in. So th- those are... Like, two... like the Bolton of the late... Eight, 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 <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was like Luton Town, especially, just seemed to be constantly close to bankruptcy and you know liquidation and all that stuff. So it, I guess it wasn't a huge surprise when they did drop out. But yeah, I mean Luton Town are what two, four, fifth at this point. You know, halfway th- over halfway through the season, they're fifth in the league, which is quite incredible. It's just they're a wee phenomenon of the the eighties. You've got Scottish Cup third round replays. Uh, and third round, second replays. So you get the, the era of our games, we go to second replays. You know, it's Aberdeen are playing Celtic at Dens Park in Dundee, so it's went to a neutral venue. Obviously, something that doesn't happen anymore, these uh, multiple replays and going to move into different Last time I went to Scotland, I was I was working away, and the, on the, we was in these digs on the Saturday, and the telecom goes, now the football results. I'm like, right, let's have a look. And it just went, this is all the Scottish results. And that was it. It finished. <laughs> whatever, like top of the pops or whatever. And I was like, what? <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> the, thing is, the thing is, back then, how would you have got? that? that we talk about this all the time as well, how people actually got results. I mean, nowadays you just go on your phone and, you know, the internet, there it is. But back then yeah. you would have to hunt down a newspaper or... You know, maybe phone home or see blokes walking around with portable radios. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean, yeah, it was listening to Radio Four and stuff. I mean, and, yeah. and it was entirely plausible that you could go a couple of days without knowing the result. And well, the likely lads did an entire episode, <laughs> yeah. Didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Not knowing, there's a beauty in not knowing, isn't there? Mm-hmm. It exercises your brain trying to remember stuff. It's so easy to look on your phone, isn't it? Just like yeah, not yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just don't know. I don't know. No, people have to know things all the time, don't they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I talk. I talk. I've I've mentioned this before as well. And um, you know, if you had a, a pub argument or a you know an argument in with your friends or your family or something like that about maybe a, a an old footballer or something, what you had to do is you would have to write into the newspaper or or some other radio station or that, and they would have a section, Ask Sam or something, and if if you were lucky and, and they picked your letter, then you'd maybe get a response back in the newspaper about four or th- six weeks later on, and you might not see that, because at that point you've probably forgotten you've even asked the question. You know, and it's <laughs> like, but nowadays you just go straight onto Google while you're still talking, they go, ah, oh, no, right, 
he was right. And yeah, yeah. So, you know, yeah. things like that. And it's, <laughs> there is, there's a, you know, it's brilliant in many ways, but like you said, there's, there's something about having to earn the knowledge, you know, to, yeah. to, to, to find yeah. it out for yourself that, that gets it's lost. Good, isn't it? Yeah. The journey can be enriching too, can't it? You know, just fast tracking everything is just can't, can't be good for your noggin, can mm. it? Well, yeah. I, I find I find that when when we're prepping these magazines, and I'm sure you're the same, Tom. Sometimes you go off in a, you know, just a little line, and it takes you off down this little well, of you know that you didn't expect to be, and you get all this great information and knowledge, and you know, funny facts and things like that. And it's like I'd never have found that out unless I'd I'd read through this and thought. I want to learn more, you know. Mm. You, you, there's there's a lot to be said for that. Mm. No doubt, man. So on page fifteen, we've got uh, Cluffy speaking his mind. So the regular Brian Cluff column, and uh, he's talking about Trevor Francis, and the headline is "Try Plymouth, Trevor." So at this time, it looked as if Trevor Francis was ending his stay in uh, Italy. Uh, he was with Sampdoria, and at this point, he was with Atalanta, uh, and there were rumours where he was coming back to England. And uh, Clough was suggesting that he go back to his well, he go back to his hometown to play for uh, Plymouth Argyle. Yeah, I thought he should have been homeward bound, and I literally mean home. Twelve months earlier, uh, any thoughts on Brian Clough, uh, Russ? Um, I think Brian Clough is venerated, and I, I'd, I've got a bit of an issue with what he did to Justin Fashion. Yeah. I Absolutely. I didn't think that was a, a nice thing to do at all. And the all these man of the people shtick and this, that, and the other. I mean, it was, yeah, it was what he achieved was amazing and fantastic. And that was, you know, arguably a minor thing and maybe a product of the times and et cetera, et cetera. But it, it still rankles with me. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not particularly a fan of coarseness, to be quite honest with you. Do you know what I mean? In that respect. Um, it's funny, isn't it? I mean, try Plymouth, Trevor. It's like he's his dad, isn't it? You know what <laughs> I mean? Try Plymouth. Go home, Trevor. Go home, young man. Yeah, it's an act, isn't it? It was, uh, I think it wore off a little bit, really, for me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's I think you're right, yeah. Uh, last time I saw Trevor was at an inland revenue tribunal when he turned up wearing a fur coat that would have covered a king-size bed. Silly lad. There was no chance of him pleading poverty with that. A game set and match the attacks, man. Put your money under the mattress, in it, Brian? <laughs> Bless him. No, you know, I don't want to diss Brian Clough at all, but uh, that all, that did always sort of rankle with me. Uh, but, I, I, you know, I think his books were great. I, and he obviously knew how to play football the right way, didn't he? Or to you know, yeah. set up a football team the right way. Because them teams were fantastic. Yeah. I, like, I just want to draw attention to <laughs> a picture of Ron Atkinson. I know you're going to do this anyway, but it's just, I just, my eyes drawn repeatedly to get that. <laughs> Sonny Ron. <laughs> There's a picture of Ron looking like, I don't know, the man from Del Monte. <laughs> black and white, but it's, it's glowing. <laughs> yeah, so Cluffy's talking about uh, Ron Atkinson's sunbed tan there. Sonny Ron. Good God, that's great. I love it. That's my favourite page of the magazine, that. <laughs> and we move, we move on then. Vauxhall Conference. Yeah, GM Vauxhall Conference latest. So bet on Borough. Uh, so it's um, about Scarborough. Sitting proudly on top of Scarborough. And the mm. bookies who set pre-season odds are 50 to 1 against the club. Lifting the title are now more than a little worried. So it was Neil Warnock that was the manager of uh, Scarborough. Yeah, uh, another thing I'd forgotten about till I read this 
what you, you know the thing you send. It's uh, I forgot completely who was up there. Mm. God, he must have managed more clubs <laughs> than Gary Player. <laughs> who was this? And Roy McHale, Ray McHale, yeah. I yeah, Ray McHale. I know nothing about Scarborough. I'm afraid they did well one year. I remember on the bottom, didn't they? Yeah, well, Scarborough, I think this was it. They were the first team to get promoted out of the conference mm-hmm. and uh, into the uh, the football league after they stopped that re-election carry-on yeah. that was always that always the case in Division Four. Mm-hmm. And uh, Scarborough won Scarborough won that league and got um, got uh, got promotion. Uh, apparently, Neil Warnock was also a chiropodist and he was still um, working as a chiropodist at the time. And uh, Cess Pod uh, says he was Bradford City's record appearance holder. Uh, he's retired, but um, Warnock had um, lured them back with the promise he would look at his feet every, every day uh, in his capacity as a girl. Could have helped Paul Sturrock out with his staved toe. Couldn't <laughs> <he>? <laughs> could have just ruined Warnock up, if he obviously could didn't read shoot magazine. Yeah. Uh, the only interesting thing you know there is that, that picture of Ray McHale where he's wearing, I think it's a Sheffield United shirt. Uh, he's wearing a kind of unusual Sheffield United uh, shirt there with nice. the three vertical stripes, but it looks like it's a club crest, I think, re- repeated multiple times down the stripes. Is that a Sheffield United top, that? I think so. That, I think that's an old Yeah, it, does. it looks like the blades, the badge, the blades yeah, across, doesn't it? Isn't it? See, so yeah. so that, yeah, that's yeah. A, a Hobbit, um, is it the, 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 the kit maker there? Oh, sorry? Hobbit. H O B B O T. Because yeah. oh, wow. <laughs> who was the who was the team that we looked at recently that that did that and we mentioned that they also did the Sheffield United um, Sheffield United top as well. Can't remember if it was it. Portsmouth or something like that. But um, yeah, Hobbit. And at the, at the bottom there, we've got uh, Bruce's boots. I wonder how much money Dunlop has spent with shoot this week. It must be quite a bit. Bruce, I wonder how much Bruce got out the deal either. Got either been well. See, you've got to send your answers directly to Bruce Grobbler. Let's write to him. What's his address? To address it to Bruce Grobbler. Hey, Bruce. (laughs) That looks looks like the work of Steve McGarry there as well for the the Bruce's. Possibly if that's a drawing, yeah. Yeah. Is that a drawing? Yeah. Yeah, it's a a stippled effect that, uh, that Steve talks about. The same mm-hmm. as Charlie Nicholas across the page. Oh, yeah, the Charlie Nicholas one definitely is a Stephen. You see it there when it's blown up that big as the cat, yeah, the Charlie Nicholas mm-hmm. one. It's good, yeah. isn't it? Oh. I was just going to mention, just before we move on to Charlie there, is that uh, down the left-hand side there, this, this summer join uh, Yorkshire Television Soccer Academy and yeah. meet world-class soccer stars, Kevin Keegan, Billy Bremner, Pat Jennings and Jack Charlton. And it's coaching by Don Revy and his team of qualified FA coaches. That's yeah. pretty much top top drawer. Yeah, players and coaching mm. there. Absolutely. So that was through Yorkshire Television. How much was that then? Does it say? Yeah, just wow. send me details of the nineteen eighty seven Yorkshire Television Soccer Academy. So it doesn't actually. I guess you find it out once you get the brochure through. I love the way they lay these ads out. Like it gives you all the blab. Then it goes stars, friendship, competition, achievements. <laughs> like someone sat down and gone, "What four words can we put in there?" Right, start right competitions. You stars, friendship. Yeah, let's have that. Stars, friendship, competition, achievement. Wow, who could resist? Fantastic. Yeah. Do you know what I love the the very last line of that advert? It says telephone number and then in brackets 
If any. If any, yeah. Yeah. I'd not have a telephone, yeah. But yeah. where do we send the carrier pigeon to? <laughs> <laughs> so just on the on the Scarborough bit as well, I just wanted to point out because they they, meant, they talk about the player Tommy Graham, who's the brother of Arthur Graham, who used to play for Leeds United and uh, Aberdeen and Man United as well. And he started at Burnley, went to Halifax, and then Scunthorpe before Scarborough. And he scored twice in the last game of the season that took Scunthorpe up to the third division. But he also um, he scored. And I don't know if you know about this game in a four-three win over Chelsea in the League Cup. I can't remember which season it was, but um, they they were one one each from the first leg, and then Chelsea went two 0 up, and it was twenty-four minutes to go, and within seven seven minutes, Scarborough scored three goals to take them through, and they, they beat them four-three, and it was um it was Tommy Graham that scored the first goal with a, a bullet was, header. Yeah, well, I mean. I never, uh, I knew that they'd, they'd won some massive match. I couldn't remember what it was, so that must have been it. Then. Yeah. yeah, well, Ch- Chelsea were, I mean, we know Chelsea have been down the leagues over the years, but at that point they were second in the first division. So wow. they, they were, you know, and to Scarborough to do that was quite, I, I watched the highlights of it, you know, after reading this, and it was mm. just, you know, it was your typical cup. You know, this, it's tight ground, it's a, the night game, the, the pitch is cutting up and, you know, it's everything you want from those sort of games. I think it was the McCain Ovens Stadium or something. I think I remember <laughs> um, the ground. I've yeah. been to the ground. Um, but, yeah, God, Scarborough, man. God, yeah. Wow. That's where it's at down there, isn't it? Mm. That's where it's all the fun. <laughs> yeah. So on the opposite page, page 17, we've got the Shoot Iron Brew Anglo-Scottish Footballer of the Month. And the February winner is Charlie Nicholas. He was sort of like the first pop star footballer I can remember. Right. Yeah, I mean, it was, he was like the golden boy. Well, he could have been like in a band. He was that sort yeah, absolutely. of that sort of character. Yeah. Didn't didn't Clough refuse to sign him because he had an earring or something? Or a... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, man, I don't really pay much attention. What's he like on telly now? He's on Sky Sports or something. Isn't he? Is he? I don't, I don't really see you. Well, he's, he's not now. He, he was one of the ones that was let go recently, wasn't he? But do you know what? I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of Charlie. You know, I, I, he, he comes out with some stupid stuff, but so do a lot of people. But I, 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 I like him. I like Charlie. I thought he was great. I loved watching him play. You mm. know what I mean? He was like rock star footballer, like Janola, that sort of thing. You know what yeah. I mean? Wow, you, you were watching someone who could really play football. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. There as well. Is that that lad who you say did that one with Grobbler? Yeah, it's good stuff. That <laughs> I have to say, Tom, in the introduction bit, it says Iron Brew is the biggest selling soft drink in Scotland. They have decided to form a positive link with football, as opposed to what? I mean, <laughs> what, what, yeah, yeah. They thought about forming a negative. <laughs> Was there a negative link with with Iron Brew? <laughs> yeah, maybe Buckfast or something like that is you know you know we, we there's a negative, but um, no, it, it just seems a strange wording of things. Yeah, yeah, positive from a positive link with football. Launching new award, right? Okay, with the Iron Brew award, brilliant. So you'll receive a year's supply of Iron Brew, a year's supply. Oh, that, that's a, yeah, that's only if you win the Player of the Year. So the monthly yeah, receive a month supply. supply. So what is a year's supply of iron brew? Is that like, <laughs> supposing you drink like 10 bottles a day? <laughs> I mean, that's right. 
you know, I once did a tour of Scotland. I was in a band. I did a tour of Scotland with tenants. I'll just quickly tell you this. And it was six venues across Scotland. And they said, you get two cases of tenants lager at every venue. The first one was a place called uh, uh, Fat Sam's in Dundee. Hmm. And we got there and there was 12 cases of tenants lager waiting for us. And she went, well, that, the woman was there. She was, that must be it for the tour. So we put it all in the van. And every venue we went to, we got another 12 cases of tenants. <laughs> there was a big cans of tenants lager. So, I mean, every, I mean, the tour was, you know, it was like a darts match every night. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like ridiculous. So was it but, two two cases uh, each person rather than between you? It took about a year's I think it must have been a year's supply of tenant we could drink it on <laughs> in the end. A year's supply of iron brew. Uh, I wonder what it's like. <laughs> a major trophy. You get a major a major trophy <laughs> as opposed to a minor trophy. Uh, there's a wee picture there of last month's uh, winner who was uh, Tottenham captain Richard Goff. Yeah. Uh, receiving the trophy from Mr. Chris Riley. I thought that was Lou McCary. <laughs> it looks like Lou McCary, doesn't it? Say, uh, Chris Riley, manager of AG Bars, Waltham Stowe Branch. So, uh, interesting wee fact about Iron Brew. Apparently, the uh, two people that know the secret formula aren't allowed to fly in the same plane together. Yeah, it makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. What do you think, isn't it then? No, I don't. I don't know. The distinctive taste, isn't it? Very. Yeah. Well, that, that's the thing. You trying to explain what it tastes like. I can't even begin. You know, it's like, what does it taste like? I, I don't know. I am brew. It's just that's what it tastes like. All on its own, isn't it? It has mm. got that sort of metallic taste to it, though. Mm. Is that where the name comes from? Yeah, I think there was um, iron was quite a in the early recipes of it. It was quite prominent. It is a yeah. nice taste, isn't it? It's seductive. Oh, I love it. I, love it. I, I don't drink too. I mean, I don't drink too much pop or that. I say pop. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get a hard time for calling it pop. Ginger. We call it. We call it ginger. So I don't drink too much ginger anyway. So right. I like but, it when it's real flat. Oh, 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 oh no. yeah, yeah. That's, strange, That's a bit flat. weird. <laughs> yeah, we did it with um, Rust with the with, um, um shorts um, theater company that I run uh, a couple of years ago last year at the Glasgow Comedy Festival we did um, four plays on and one of them was Chris, Mc Chris McQueers and uh, oh, Chris was with him in Edinburgh last year right Chris is great Chris. yeah yeah Brilliant. so his play was called The Last Can and it was about a sort of nuclear apocalypse and there was only one can of iron brew left and it was uh, this couple that were bickering over who got to drink the last can because they changed the recipe of Iron Brew recently. And, I, and I'd said to Chris, why don't you contact Iron Brew and see if we can get some sponsorship deals so they can give us some, you know, Iron Brew or money or something. And he did, and they got back to him and said, we don't want to be associated with the old recipe. So With the, with the, old, with the old recipe? They're not <laughs> going to be associated with the old recipe, are they? People aren't going to care about that. They're just going to have the name on it. Oh man, these people are mad, aren't they? For, for a second there, I thought you were going to say they didn't want to be associated with a nuclear holocaust. <laughs> and that, that the answer you gave there was worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, what's worse, nuclear holocaust or the old restaurant? <laughs> oh, so, yeah, yeah, so Chris was the first guest we had, we had on. This. He's a magical person, Chris. Mm. He's a really lovely fella. He really is, I love him. Yeah, he's a lovely guy. Yeah. Right, Andy, we turn over the page. What have we got next? We've got Just oh. Jim. So Jimmy Greaves' letter page. 
Uh, we'll just pick out a couple of the couple of the letters here for Jimmy Greaves. So we've got um, Magic Woods. So it's a letter about Chris Woods. Uh, at Rangers, congratulations to Rangers goalkeeper Chris Woods and his British record shutout. His game has obviously improved since coming to Scotland. That's from Scott Monroe of New Elgin. Chris Belota is having an excellent season, although I have to say that it must be easier to set up goalkeeping records in Scotland than in the first division, says Jimmy. He can't help himself, can he? Jimmy Greaves <laughs> just can't help himself having a wee dig. Listen, none of these letters are real. <laughs> none of these letters are real. The, the editor has written them and made up names purely to provoke Jim. Like, hey, let me read this. It's called King Mick. This is a letter apparently sent into Shoot Magazine. Mick Mills is doing a wonderful job at Stoke. At the start of the season, they were bottom of the second division, but now they're good bets for promotion, says Colin Pleasant. Who in the right mind sits down <laughs> and writes a letter like that, puts it in an envelope and posts it? I know. I'll tell them they. Let me state the absolute blindingly, mundanely obvious and expect you to print it in your magazine. It's just an excuse to talk about King Mick, isn't it? Nobody's mm. written a letter like that to a magazine. <laughs> <laughs> really? Come on. <laughs> they're, they're, no. all, they're all wanting that £10 star letter price. That's what it is. It's for the ten, I mean, £10 will sort you out for the next couple of years worth of shoot magazine. It really will. Yeah. It really will. I won a pound from Crazy Comic Magazine when I was about eight. <laughs> and a pound, wow, you could, I bought a rabbit with it. <laughs> a rabbit. <laughs> uh, see, with £10, okay. with £10, you could join the Everton fan club. You could join all of them, mm. couldn't you? You could yeah. join 10 of them. <laughs> you could support 10 teams in, the, in Division 1. Well, you go for nine and you buy a rabbit as well, I think. <laughs> yeah, and call it Jim. <laughs> Just Jim, like like he's like a cheeky knockabout cartoon mm. character. Isn't he? Can can I pick out the Wally of the week here? Yeah, Cause sure. Because it, it annoys me. Um, so it's uh, the Jamie Hampson of Girton in Cambridge says, "My dad says all the best dribblers have small feet. Is this true?" And it, it just goes on a ramble because it makes no sense. He says, "Yes, because the best dribblers I know are babies." But it's pretty silly to suggest that Maradona is so good because. He hasn't got giant-sized plates. And Terry Butcher wouldn't be able to stand up if he were only size fives. It's like, I, I sort of know what he's saying, which is probably no is a short answer, but yeah, he just yeah. goes off on one and it's like, yeah. Listen, I used to do this for a living. I used to write this drivel for football. <laughs> he doesn't write this. Somebody rings him up and goes, Jim, what do you think to whoever this is? Who is it? What do you to Kenny, he's a bit of a arsey guy, isn't he? Jim would be like, yeah, 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 wherever he is, that playing golf or whatever, he'll just fire some salvos out. And all oh, this is the creation of some sort of person, you know, on the pittance, trying to get make the way in the world and publish it. <laughs> but these it, it, letters, and this is him. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's just pushing this persona of him, of, oh, I can't believe he said that. Yeah. Go on, Jim, say something outrageous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's mad, isn't it? Yeah. Highly entertaining though, and a nice cartoon yet again of Jim. Yeah. So on the page opposite him, to get to say, but uh, beat the clock, which is the uh, the quiz page. Yeah. I, 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 to be that. honest, I wouldn't spend too much time on this, even when I was wee. You know, wasn't it really? Well, we've got apps nowadays, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> Frank's Wembley race. Spot the ball was good though. I did like that. Yeah. Spot the ball was brilliant. That that did call for a bit of you know, following the R line. Yeah. Well, there's this uh, joke about like you get a pin and you just keep putting it in 
on different mm-hmm. places and as soon as you hear the <laughs> then that's where the ball is brilliant yeah I used to like that spot the ball mm-hmm. yeah yeah we won't do the quiz shall we let's move mm-hmm. on right, let's turn over the page oh. Uh, We're going to jump from the back page into into the middle. Oh, there they are, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Was Keith Edwards' new one there, was he? Keith Edwards in the 80s being transferred between us and Sheffield United. (laughs) Um, This was the team just after, my sort of team was just before this, Billy Whitehurst and that. I think he'd gone back then, Billy Whitehurst. So can you take us through this whole City team a wee bit then, Russ? I, from, I remember Alex Dyer up front. Is Alex Dyer there? No, it's not, is he? No. There's Alex Dyer. Brian Orton. But like I said, it was just after um, I'd sort of... We was going to be promoted, I think it was down to us or Sheffield United. It came on to this night match in, in Burnley. Um, I think we lost 3-2. Uh, it was, it was, I think that was the closest we'd come to some, any sort of success. And at this period, this team were sort of like making... I think they ended up around, at this, in this year around about just avoiding going down. And that seemed yeah. to set the sort of trend. We were sort of just past its peak. So, I mean, I, I used to love some of it. Like Stan McEwen, he was like dead ball expert. I ended up working with Stan in local radio years later. And he's a lovely guy. Do you know what I mean? And it's like being able to quiz him about um, all these players. It was, was great. Gareth Roberts, brilliant, art on sleeve type player. Loved him. They were, they were, a good, they were all right. You know, I thought Alex Dyer, where is he? He's not in there, is he? Alex Dyer was great. I thought him and Frankie Bunn up front. Um, that kit's horrible, isn't it? Yeah, I was going to ask you what you thought of that kit. Uh, any reason for the flashes of red on it? Unnecessary use of red. Don't know. I can't remember us ever doing that again. Having them bits. Of, it was like Watford, doesn't it? It sort of puts me in mind of like um, Bradford Bulls or something. Yeah, maybe that's it. RL sort of um, mm. sort of uh, vibe going on. Who else is in this team? Gary Swan. So at this season. Hull were 20th in Division 2 on the 25th of April after they lost 2-0 to Bradford, but then they went on to win three and draw one of their last four games, finishing with a 3-0 win over Crystal Palace on the 9th of May, and they finished 14th in the table. So they were 14th, but they were, they were only five points. This I was going to point this out earlier on. Between like sixth position and bottom place, there wasn't a huge amount of points. You know, well, there's probably think, 11 points, 12 points between, you know, the third bottom and fifth top or something like that. So it was a very tight league. I think we beat Leeds twice this season, I think. Right. I think we beat one of the few sort of games I went to around about then, I think was against Leeds. I think we beat them. Uh, I think it was 3-1 or something. I just remember Dyer scoring. Look at him with his tinted shades on, his tinted glasses. Yeah. Jeff Radcliffe, is yeah. he? He looks like a Radio 1 DJ. It looks like Steve <laughs> Yeah, so he's got the beard and the, yeah, the, the, the tinted the glasses. All right, Gary Swan. So also in the front row there, you've got uh, Andy Payton. And that was his first season. He only made two substitute appearances that that year. First season? Did, where yeah, did he go to Newcastle, Andy Payton? Can't mind if he was at Newcastle. He certainly came up. He was at Middlesbrough. Yeah. Was it somewhere up there? Yeah. He came up to Celtic for a while. And done. He's not too done. Not too bad at Celtic, actually. Yeah, ninety two, ninety three. I think thirty six games, fifteen goals. Yeah, he done not too bad. But he get moved on for some yeah. reason. I think he was thought well of as well. They weren't a bad side as I, as I remember, but there was just never really, you know, the the, the the momentum had gone. It was like on a bit of a downward curve, like it like it is now, I suppose. 
Richard Johnson, yeah. And the, the top row there was Pearson, Laurie Pearson. I, I, I've played football with him um, over the years. Oh, yeah. yeah, I played football with him down Wakefield, not for a few years now though, but um, he's certainly not got as much hair as that uh, these <laughs> days. Um, <laughs> I don't think he's got any. So he played 59 league games for Hull. Um, yeah. and had spells at Portvale and Darlington um, he was at Hull between 84 and 87 so this was probably his last year there and yeah. he's he's now from what I gather he's teaching maths at Bingley Grammar School in Bradford well Neil Buckley who used to play for City in defence he was uh, he manages my son's team now right yeah it's, it's real good I played with him on a Tuesday and a Sunday mm. yeah it's, you know you can just tell that yeah that that sort of quality really that touch you know yeah so there's a couple of scots in stan McEwen was from new orleans yeah stanley stanley <laughs> he was uh, where's he from stan is he from he's uh, from scotland near wishaw um, but he, right. he'd never played in scotland blackpool exeter hull wigan and hartlepool were his yeah, teams and um, peter skipper near died died last year last april he's yeah, 61 oh yeah, yeah. Shame. it makes you realize how time's going on Right. You just look at some of these people, yeah. Tony Norman, the, the goalkeeper, played five games for Wales. Yeah, yeah, he did. He was great. He was one of the best keepers we've ever had, Tony mm. Norman, I think. But he was capped while you were at Hull City, wasn't he? Yeah, he was, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was great. I thought he was it. Yeah. Who's that other keeper we had? Fettis, Alan Fettis. He became like a bit of a cult hero at City for some reason. Yeah, but um, who was that other one? Who's, McKechnie, who used to throw oranges at him. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought he was going to become like that Jakubovic, you know, that that's in that psycho who went to Leicester. He used to celebrate his own saves. <laughs> he used to save and then got like that. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, yeah. yeah also the old Bowfrey Park. It was um, the best kept pitch. I think there was someone was saying the groundsman used to win awards every year for mm. quality of his of his of his pitch. Well, interestingly, yeah. if you look at the back of the the photograph there, you can see the the fencing, the perimeter fencing up. Which um, you know, yeah. was a sign of the times, wasn't it? Well, I mean, you know, well, one of the reasons I stopped going was all the hooliganism. Do you know what I mean? I was never a fan of chasing people about or being chased. Do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, do you think they'll ever bring back terracing? I think the 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 safe standing, isn't it, is probably going yeah. to be the really? certainly in the, the top divisions. Um, it will be the that that will be the only option, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I know it's a cliche to talk about it now, but like it did become really sanitised, didn't it? Really, mm. football. But yeah, it's it's nothing. I mean, you know, Christ Almighty, old city. Would, it's it's been a thankless task supporting them largely for. You know what I mean? Or yeah. being interested or taking an interest. At times you think, why? Yeah. But it's just there, isn't it? You know, it's your local side. Mm. Yeah, you want them to do well. It's your area they're representing you. Yeah. Yeah, and do you find that is there a sort of sort of local pride? Are most football fans there Hull fans or are there people? With no, I mean, up, I mean the pro the thing in all as far as football, there's always been it's always been a massive rugby league town as well. Yeah. You know, there's three professional teams. There's like Hull FC, Hull KR, the rugby league sides, and then Hull City. And because Hull City didn't really have a lot of sort of success in in the eighties. My generation growing up, there was a lot of uh, Leeds fans, a lot of... Man, you have always been big, massively supported in all for some reason. I don't know mm. why. And it wasn't just the sort of glory on the thing, blah, blah, blah. There was a lot of... On Orchard Park Estate, there was a lot of kids who supported Man United. 
But um, uh, you know, there was always this hardcore that that, that went went to Hill City. But a lot of kids used to go to rugby and football. Right. You know, Saturdays and Sundays it was on different days. But I think when it sort of coincided with us being in the Premier League, it was becoming city of culture, and you just see how important it is to have a successful football club in a city rather than a rugby league thing. Because if you're in the Premier League, it attracts um, students to the university. You know, I met mm. kids who come because they'd you know seen us on telly and we were the second favourite team in the Premier League and blah, blah, blah. And it does lift the profile of the city massively. Yeah. So I think people did have a pride in that, you know, a renewed pride. But being an old city supporter, you're sort of conditioned to expect the worst. Yeah. You know? I think it was always a bit sort of mad. Yeah. I enjoyed it, loved it being in the Premier League, but I just want to get rid of the owners now. You know, they've just ruined it for me and for lots of people. So many people I know don't go now. And it's purely down to, to the owners, the current owners and the, the way they've carried on. We've come to the end of part one of our podcast with Russ Lytton. Join us next week for part two, where we will look at the second half of the magazine and talk more about Russ and his work. Until the next time, let's shoot the breeze. <laughs>